In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. The first century Christian, St. Justin Martyr, once said, Jacob predicted that Christ would ride on a donkey, and Zechariah confirmed it. Now, we may be getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but that's another way of saying that our sermon text for today is from Zechariah. And honestly, there's something so profound about the minor prophets, especially Zechariah. Yet, they kind of do get swept under the rug. And truth be told, they, they don't really get read a lot. But when we do read it, it lets us know so much about Christ and the future to come. I mean, the whole point of the Old Testament is to point towards the New Testament. And yes, I know there are things in the Old Testament that only apply to that time. But much of what applies to that time also applies to the age of the church. So in that time, long ago, God was king. But did the Jews always believe that? Did they reject that sometimes? Of course they did. Of course they did. But still, what did that do? That didn't change the fact that God was king. He still was king. But had the king himself come? I mean, the Jews certainly had a lot of kings, a whole lot of them, a lot of bad ones, but had the true king come yet? Where is he? Well, the prophet Zechariah wrote an answer to this. In our text that we read, he said, Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, On a colt, the foal of a donkey. The king is coming, declared the prophet Zechariah. But this was was not a new idea. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, had been awaited since as far back as we can go in sacred scripture. And I'm sure many of us do know this. But what about the awaiting of Christ as the king. Well, remember me mentioning the quote from St. Justin Martyr? Jacob, in Genesis chapter 49, not only predicts the coming of Christ on a donkey, but also him as king as well. It reads, The scepter shall not depart from Judah. And as a king of Israel would have wielded a scepter as a sign of his authority, so does this represent our Lord. And right after this, we read, binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. These words in Genesis are a foretelling of the Messiah to come. I just think that this is one of those really amazing connections that you can find within Scripture. And and those connections just show that Scripture interprets Scripture, but it also validates it as well. And 
we can see this connection since the very beginning of everything. God has been exercising his rule as king over all of creation. And I just really love how that's been laid out for us to discover. And now we know that some of it's pretty obvious, and I'm sure we all know that some of it is not obvious at all. But still, there's just so much for us to confirm Christ as king and his comings. And now that we know this, we can step back and get back to the prophetic words of Zechariah. And we can read it in awe, knowing that our true king took upon himself human flesh and fulfilled these prophecies 520 years later. But that, of course, isn't all. See, when he was made incarnate, the king was now amongst his servants. Yet many, many did not know this. And when we see our text being fulfilled by Christ entering Jerusalem on a donkey, many started to recognize their king, their savior king. But this king did not do what was expected of him. He, he was to die. He was to die as the perfect sacrifice in place of us. He was to die as a showcase of a true king's perfect love. That is, dying for us. The first coming of Christ was purely a showcase of his kingship in perfect love. So what are we doing then? I mean, we know that we have a king, but what is it in your lives that happens to take its place on God's throne? And we may not call these things kings per se, but we certainly do have things that we put on thrones. It, you know what that is in your life. I mean, it could be pretty simple. It could just be watching television all the time or playing video games or just uh, sports or, or something just very mundane like that. But it could also be things that get you a little too riled up and, and a little more important, maybe like politics or, or something like that. Family even can take that role. But you see, the point is it can be anything, absolutely anything, actually. Those, those things aren't bad, per se. We know that. Those things are pretty important. Actually, they are very important. But just because they're very important, does that mean that they're meant to take the place of God in our lives? I mean, good things easily become bad and evil when this happens. Maybe those things are given more thought in your lives than God himself. So, is, is that good? Absolutely not! So are we really acting like Christ is king in our lives? I'm being very serious here. Are we really acting like this? How does your life show this? We can just look around in the world and see that many, either within or without the church, just live 
as if Christ is not the king, the king. And still, too many of us love to put things on the throne in place of God himself all the time. And every single time we do this, what happens? We're let down. We're failed. We're putting created things in the place of the creator. And it fails us over and over again. So what we need to remember is that Christ is the only one that reigns on that throne. Nothing that's placed on that throne will ever reign on such a thing. It will always fail us. But who will not fail us? Christ will not. That's his throne, and he will not fail us. He is ruling, and he is in charge. So what then does the kingship of God look like right now? People may not see all of what his kingship entails, but we do see some of it. And the biggest parts of his kingship aren't really sometimes the things we see, but what we know and what we feel. We can feel God with us. We can understand that he aids us in accomplishing our tasks. Those tasks that help our neighbors and bring glory to him. And he is all-powerful. He is ruling, but he doesn't just give us what we desire, what we just want. No, he gives us what we need, whether we like it or not. He loves us, and we can know that through our resolve, which is given to us by him. And thankfully, because of his love for us, which culminated in his death, we are right here, right now. I mean, you guys, you all got up out of bed, and I'm sure a lot of people probably wanted to stay asleep and just get a few extra hours of sleep all the time. But guess what? You're here right now, and that's already showing Christ as king in your lives right now. It's ever so simple thing. That shows it. And thankfully, Christ brought us all together to be here as his church. I mean, we all get baptized in the waters of baptism. And then we are sustained by his most precious body and blood at this very altar every Sunday. The faith that he gave us is strengthened in the reception of this holy sacrament. He has, as a loving king would do, given us all that we need in this age. And we're going to go through times that we sin and that we make really big mistakes. And even times that we fail to recognize the sheer power and glory of God. But we can be assured that Christ's love and care sustains us, especially each time we are all gathered together in this sanctuary. Now that we are here, we can see that the patriarch Jacob and prophet Zechariah's words have been fulfilled. And not only have they been fulfilled, but there's more words that they've said that will be fulfilled in the future. As Zechariah continued, there is eventually going to be a second coming of Christ. And if you think back to a few minutes ago, you'll remember that I said that Christ first came in perfect love as a king. You know, we experience this as Christians 
in our daily lives all the time, we experience that perfect love that he has for us. And eventually, he's going to come back. And from what we know, he's going to come back as a king in perfect justice and judgment. And he's not coming to die for us again. No, he's coming to take us with him. And we don't know all of the details for sure, but we do know some. So those are very important things that we know. I don't want to drag on with a bunch of things of speculation, but we can focus on the promises of God that we are guaranteed by him. So what we do know is that although it is very somber, very unfortunate, when Christ does return, there are many who will not have turned to Christ as king. But let's, let's look at us right now. Although we are broken sinners, our reception into Christ's church by his atoning death means that we will experience judgment and then receive everlasting life. This everlasting life is given to us by him. We, we didn't earn it. We didn't do anything to get that everlasting life. No, it was the free gift given to us by him. This is all Christ being a perfect king in his love. And when we see his return in its swiftness, we can finally experience the final answer to what St. Paul asked in the epistle reading we just heard. Who will rescue me from this body of death? course we know it is Christ Jesus our Lord and finally when we are given a glorified bodies in the presence of God himself we experience that in its fullest even in our gospel reading we see that Christ will give you rest if you are with him this is great news for us we, we don't yet have this now but we're going to have it. He has promised us it. And he doesn't break his promises. You see, this is what we receive as being mere servants in the kingdom of God. It is truly by the love, grace, and mercy of our Lord. So now we can see that all these things are connected. From start to finish. From Genesis to Revelation. And beyond it all. The God who will one day rule and reign perfectly has been at work since the very beginning, is at work even now, and will one day bring it all to completion. When I see what he has done in the past and how it is pointing to the present and the future, it, it really does give me confidence that what is often hard to believe and follow will one day actually happen. We should be joyful that things like this are what God chose to reveal to us. And things like this describe what Christ came to redeem and what he will come back to take with him. He is our king and is beyond worthy of such a title. Nevertheless, he reigns over all for eternity. And that will give us Christians 
a feeling of profound love and joy as we continue in our lives as servants of Christ the King. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.